dying to live. 2 a.m. Completely still and almost silent, the only hint of sound coming from the soft whisper of liquid nitrogen pumping through the storage banks. Dark, except for the muted red glow of digital readouts blinking in the surrounding blackness like so many eyes. Solitude, the way Norton liked. Peace and quiet. A break from the bitchiness of his never-happy wife, Vera. Norton sighed. Vera. The face of an angel, a model's body, and the warmth of a shark. Norton lived for the moments when she would grant him the privilege of exploring her sensual delights. In her infrequent flashes of passion, he loved her the most, but when the cycle ran its course, she became indifferent, hostile, and finally, bitchy. He went back to the control room, tapped a few keys, and watched the information scroll down the screen, checking each of his charges, verifying that the readout on every tank matched the display in front of him. Twelve men and fifteen women, twenty of them head-only Neros, the other seven whole bodies. All rested in liquid nitrogen at a cool minus 320 degrees Fahrenheit. The bodies upside down in stainless steel tanks, the heads placed in padded neurocans and stored in concrete vaults. Contrary to his father's predictions, business thrived at Norton's cryonic life extension facility. Cryonic suspension of a head brought him $35,000 while clients with ample resources could follow the safer route of cryonically suspending their whole bodies for $100,000. The head-only patients believed their identities would be preserved in their brain and hoped that future technology would make it possible for their other body parts to be replaced through transplantation or regeneration. Though he had his own ideas about how he would resuscitate a person, Norton wasn't so sure you could revive someone after they'd been frozen, but he'd like to think of himself as a supplier of hope. Satisfied with his cross-checks, he leaned back in his chair, propped his feet up on the desk, and thought of his wife again. A pleasurable tingle passed through his groin. He longed to be with her, to feel the curves of her body against his. Then he remembered the mood she'd been in, and the fire in his groin suddenly grew cold the way Vera's feelings toward him had. When they first met at college during his pre-med days, she'd been sweet and loving. His grades were good, his future bright. He knew when he graduated his father's money would open doors for him. But when his life became entwined with Vera's, his GPA dropped along with his promising medical career. When he flunked out of medical school, his dad's influence helped him get a job as a coroner's assistant. Then. With a loan from his father, Norton started the now successful Clef. Now Norton, the man who married vivacious Vera, felt lonely, more only if he could ever remember. He lived with her, dined with her, and had sex with her when she allowed it, yet, try as he might, he could not get close to her. A sudden beep from the computer pierced the stillness, startling him. The screen flashed a warning message in red. Neuro Unit 9, Temperature Gradation Error. Norton's feet hit the floor, and his fingers danced across the keyboard, running the computer through its diagnostic loops. The system checked out. Probably a sensor malfunction. He pushed himself away from the desk, 
Torn between his desire to remain in the solitude of the facility where he paid the price of loneliness and the thought of Vera's companionship at the price of unpleasantness, he grabbed his tool bag and made his way through the corridors between darkened storage banks until he located Unit 9. The red LEDs flashed minus 320. Steady. Strange, he thought. The diagnostics check out on the computer, and the unit seems okay. Probably intermittent. He removed a panel, pulled out his meter, and checked the sensor circuitry. Everything appeared in order. After replacing the access panel, he sat back and watched the tank, hoping for a change in the readout. Gradually, the susurration of liquid nitrogen lulled him, and he dozed. Martin, a voice whispered. He jumped, knocking his tool bag to the floor. His heart pumped wildly. He grabbed his chest and looked around. Red LEDs blinked quietly. Liquid nitrogen hissed. Nitrogen? Jesus, he said out loud. Scared the shit out of me. Didn't realize I was so tired. Better go home and get some shut-eye. He made one last round of the facility, locked up for the night, and drove home. Where the hell have you been? Vera said when he climbed into bed. He looked longingly at the smooth outline of her figure beneath the covers before he reached toward her. She stiffened at his touch. Had a problem with one of the units, hun. She turned away when he kissed her on the cheek. No alarms woke him while he slept, so Norton figured the unit wouldn't give him any trouble, but he checked the first thing the next morning to be safe. It appeared to be functioning normally. He went back to the control room and re-ran the diagnostics in a continuous loop, hoping they might catch something. Nothing showed. Oh well, he said to the empty room. Guess I'll wait and see. He stayed in front of the monitor most of the day and well into the night, leaving only to make his rounds. Neuro 9 remained stable. When Norton felt his eyes grow heavy, he decided it was time to go home, but the prospects of dealing with Vera depressed him. No sooner had he completed the thought when the screen flashed red. Neuro Unit 9, Temperature Gradation Error. Then, in the next instant, Norton, do you love? He did a double take, but the screen had cleared. He rubbed his eyes and looked again. Nothing. He ran the computer through a diagnostic cycle, then went and checked on Unit 9. Its LED blinked a steady minus 320. He stared at it for a moment. The soft whisper of liquid nitrogen sounded like the voice of a woman. He remembered the voice he thought he'd heard the night before and laughed nervously. I'm spending too much time here, he said to the unit. Norton drove home, determined to spend more time with his wife and try to improve their relationship. But when he stepped inside the house, his only greeting came from the lingering scent of her perfume. He glanced at the clock in the dining room two in the morning. Where the hell could she have gone at this hour? He went to the refrigerator, cracked a beer, and sat in his easy chair to wait. Vera came home twenty minutes later, dressed in a short, tight-fitting red silk dress that showed off her shapely legs and ample cleavage. Look who's here, she said, Mr. Freeze. Her hair had been piled high in a fancy bun, but now strands of it hung down around her face. Norton stood, trying to assert his authority. Where have you been till this hour? Vera plopped down on the couch across from him and ran a hand slowly up her leg, 
looked at him and smiled. Out? Where? With who? She fumbled for a cigarette, lit it and blew smoke toward him. A friend? He waved the smoke away and felt a flash of anger shoot through his body, ending at his groin. You're doing this on purpose, aren't you? I know you want a divorce. He wanted to say more, but the words caught in his throat. She smiled again and ran her tongue across her upper lip. You're a strange little man who spends all his time with a bunch of frozen stiffs. She paused, her cheeks flushing. You never have any time for me. There was a time when I could have loved you, Norton. I wanted to. She threw her hands in the air. But you're never around. You're nothing but a babysitter for frozen corpses. Her words provoked both his anger and his desire. He felt himself growing hard. He sat down on the couch next to her. Vera, honey, let's not act like this. I want things to be right between us. He leaned toward her and kissed her. The smell of liquor and cigarettes assaulted him. She moaned and drove her tongue into his mouth, reached down between his legs and rubbed him. When he touched the zipper on her dress, she pushed him away. Sorry, hon, but I have a headache. What? She started to stand up. You heard me. Norton pulled her back down to him. Come on, babe, don't do this to me. She slapped him across the face. Get your hands off me, you pig. Hurt and confused, he watched her swaying backside as she strutted out of the room, the sting of her slap still on his face. Norton woke to the sound of beeping. He opened his eyes and looked around, slowly realizing he spent the night on a cot in the clef control room after fighting with Vera. An empty bottle of Canadian Club lay beside him. When he sat up, his stomach did a slow roll. The insistent beep of the computer pierced his head like a hot knife. Swinging his legs over the edge of the cot, he stumbled to the console and punched a key to silence the alarm. A red message flashed silently on the screen in front of him. Neuro Unit 9, Temperature Gradation Error. He stared at it for a moment, half expecting something else to show on the screen. When nothing came, he shut off the warning message and started a diagnostic cycle. Fortified with caffeine and Excedrin, Norton sat in front of the computer and examined the results. Twenty loops and no failures. It has to be a sensor malfunction this time. He grabbed his tool bag and followed the corridors to Neuro 9. The unit awaited him, its display blinking a steady minus 320, liquid nitrogen venting in hushed tones. What the hell is going on here, he muttered. The steady hiss fluctuated, and Norton would swear he heard the voice whispering, Norton, sweet Norton, soft and sibilant. Norton, do you love? A trickle of sweat trickled down his spine like an icy finger. He studied Nero 9 for over an hour. The temperature remained constant. So did the sound. Knowing what he would find, he didn't bother checking on the sensor circuitry. Instead, he followed an impulse and went back to the computer terminal to pull up the personnel files of his charges. When he came to Nero 9, he accessed the file. What a beauty! He sighed when the picture filled the screen. Green eyes, emerald green deep and full of feeling. They seemed to look straight into his heart with compassion and understanding. 
unlike the hard stares he was used to getting from Vera. Silken blonde hair, high cheekbones, and a heart-shaped face framed those eyes. His gaze drifted to the information filling the bottom of the screen. Statistics. Name, Marissa Forsyth. Age at time of suspension, 31. Date of suspension, 11-12-93. Cause of death, auto accident. For more information, please access case file number 420. He studied her features for a long time before kissing his fingertip and touching it to the screen. The feelings Marissa's picture stirred made his loneliness more poignant. He decided to go back to the house and make peace with Vera. After all, she'd been drunk. Once sober, she'd be ready to patch things up. He bought a dozen roses on the way home, but when he got there, he found Vera gone again. Two half-empty glasses sat on the coffee table, alongside an overflowing ashtray. Marlboro butts mingled with lipstick-stained Virginia Slims. Hot tears came to his eyes, his hands shook, his stomach tightened as if an icy fist had punched him. He couldn't bear the thought of Vera with another man. He stormed out the door and tossed the roses in the gutter. For hours he drove, aimlessly, finally ending up back at the cleft control room in front of a blinking computer screen. Not bothering with the diagnostic, he went straight to Nero 9 to find the steady blink of its readout in the familiar murmur of liquid nitrogen. I don't know what I'm going to do, he said to the hollow room. His sobs echoed off the walls. I've worked hard, provided for, loved her. I've done everything I knew to make her happy. He blinked away his tears, aware that the steady rhythm of the LED faltered. The sound of escaping nitrogen whispered softly, Norton, do you love? Yes, I love, he said, not caring whether or not the voice were real. I love so much it hurts. How can she do this to me? I love Norton, the voice whispering again. A cold breath tickled his ear, sending an icy caress dancing down his spine. I want to be loved. A little louder this time, he realized that it was a female voice, no longer outside him, but in his mind. Frightened, he put his hands over his ears and shut his eyes. Don't be afraid, she continued, her tones soothing and comforting. Norton thought of the green eyes he'd seen earlier and the feelings they'd stirred. Marissa? His voice shook. If only I'd had a chance, I could have loved you. Norton couldn't believe this was happening. Part of him wanted to bolt from the room. The rest of him felt irresistibly attracted. No one else can hear you, can they? Only you, my love. Jesus, I'm losing it. I'll stop if it bothers you. Norton thought for a moment. The sound of her words in his head had scared him at first, but he feared loneliness more. And her voice didn't sound bad. Her words felt as if they belonged, and they matched those lovely green eyes. N no, he said haltingly. Please don't stop. I... I... What? I know how crazy this sounds, but so is talking to someone who's dead. A nervous titter escaped his lips. I've looked at your picture, studied your file, and I think... I think... Then the words gushed forth, I love you. Oh, Norton, her voice choked with emotion. I love you too. 
But how? You've been so loving and attentive, taking care of me all these years. I've come to know you and feel what you feel. Every time you've been sad, I've been sad. I know what your wife has been putting you through. I've felt it too. It breaks my heart to see you hurt. I've tried so hard and so long to reach you, but now I think I've made a mistake. What do you mean? Now that we've made contact, it's even more painful. Oh, Norton, I want so much to... to... To what, Marissa? To touch you, Norton. Feel your warmth, your love. She started to cry, and he found himself crying with her, two sets of emotions spiraling through his brain, each feeding off the other, until he felt as if his brain would explode. He ran from the room holding his head. When his emotions subsided, he longed to go back, but couldn't bring himself to return to the sadness of her voice. He fell asleep in front of his terminal, Marissa's angelic countenance watching over him in the darkness from the soft glow of the computer screen. When he woke and saw her gazing at him from the monitor, he thought his experience had been a dream. Eagerly, he went back to Nero 9, relieved when Marissa greeted him. He found her an understanding and sympathetic listener, something Vera never had been. Norton didn't go home that night. Over the next few days, the line dividing day and night blurred. He spent most of his waking moments talking with Marissa, and as time passed, his love for her grew deeper. When he wasn't engrossed in conversation, he gazed longingly at the image of her face on his monitor, often falling asleep in front of it. In one sense, he had never felt more complete, but the impenetrable barrier that separated him and his true love proved to be a source of unending frustration, as did his growing sense of inevitability. He would eventually have to face the cold, harsh reality awaiting him at home in the form of Vera. It hit him hard one evening when he awoke from a nap, realizing he needed a change of clothes. I'm sorry, Marissa, he said to the storage tank, but I've got to go home and talk to her. I understand, my love, she said. Norton could hear the hurt in her voice. Believe me, if I thought I could change things, I would. I'd divorce her, but she'd take me to the cleaners. Besides, it wouldn't help us any. If I thought it would, I'd say to hell with the money. I know. No matter what happens, I'm here for you. I'll always love you, even if we are forever separated. When Norton spotted the strange car parked in front of his house and flickering candlelight in the bedroom window, his rage kindled. He drove to the end of the block, parked at the corner and walked back to the house. Taking his shoes off at the end of the driveway, he stole around back and slipped in the kitchen door. Inside, he heard the sound of a man grunting, Vera's passionate moans, with more fervor than he'd ever heard before, and the rhythmic creaking bedsprings. His heart pounded wildly in his chest and his temples. His throat tightened. His fingers clenched into fists. Bitch, he muttered. Tiptoeing down the hall, he stopped at the closet and groped in the darkness. Bitch, he whispered as his sweaty hands found his baseball bat. He crept down the hall, stopping outside the bedroom door. Vera's moans came quicker, as did the grunts of her partner. 
Norton peered into the candlelit room and saw his wife's legs spread wide on the bed, her partner's bare back moving up and down between them. Bitch, he said between clenched teeth. A sharp intake of breath cut through the room, and all activity ceased. The man's head popped up, and Norton swung the bat. It caught the side of Vera's lover's head with a sickening thud that reminded Norton of the time he ran over the neighbor's dog. The nude body of Vera's lover went sprawling over the side of the bed like a limp duffel bag. Vera screamed and huddled against the headboard as Norton turned toward her. Her eyes darted from the bat to Norton to the limp body of her lover. White shards of bone glinted in the orange glow of candlelight. Black fluid oozed from the crushed side of his head. Go ahead, you spineless twerp, she said. Her voice sounded high and tight. Her eyes had widened until Norton could see the whites around the irises. He froze. You piss-poor excuse for a man. You don't have what it takes to satisfy the needs of a real woman. Norton stared, uncomprehending. Mr. Freeze, with his little popsicle dick? He started toward his wife with the bat raised. Vera fainted. Cold, Vera said between chattering teeth. Her lips had turned blue. Goose flesh covered her nude body, now submerged in an ice bath. Straps held her arms and legs immobile. Norton checked the temperature. 38 degrees. Perfect. It'll be over soon, he turned away from her. What'll be over soon, she cried. Enough is enough, Norton. I think we're ready now, he turned back, syringe at hand. What do you think you're doing? Her voice quavered. Something to relax you, that's all. Vera opened her mouth to protest, and Norton plunged the needle into her arm. Whatever words she'd intended died in her throat. With asbestos gloves, he reached the seal on the neurocan holding Marissa's head, opened the lid and submerged the whole unit in a silicon oil bath, which raised its temperature from the minus 320 of liquid nitrogen to the relative warmth of minus 110. When the temperature stabilized, he removed her from the silicone and lovingly placed her in a tray on a cart. The thin film of oil covering her skin and hair made her smooth features look baby-soft and angelic. After securing hoses to the main arteries of her head, he flicked the on switch. The rhythmic cadence of the heart-lung machine filled the cleft's operating room. Beside it stood the CPR machine. Yellowish glycerol pumped through the hoses to Marissa's head, raising its temperature even more. Norton checked the gauge on the unit, then went to work on Vera. When the temperature of Marissa's head matched that of Vera's body, Norton pumped the head dry and repositioned the heart-lung machine. Moving quickly, he severed Vera's head and replaced it with Marissa's, catching the blood beneath the neck wound in a tray and recycling it through the heart-lung machine. The actual switch took him only a few seconds. He had a minor problem aligning the jugular veins, but the rest went smoothly. He verified Marissa's pulse, then took her out of the ice bath and wrapped her in a blanket. Vera's head went into an empty neurocan and back into Neuro 9. Exhausted, Norton retrieved the cot from the control room and set it up next to Marissa. Then he took her cold hand in his and fell asleep. Norton? 
he heard her voice whispering in his mind and felt cold fingers moving in his hand. He thought for sure he was dreaming. Norton, my love, I can see you. His eyes flickered open and gazed into Marissa's. His heart swelled with joy. Marissa! I can see you, Norton, but I feel weak. I can't move my neck. It hurts. I'm cold. He sat up and kissed her tenderly on her pale cheek, unconsciously flinching at the icy texture. It's all right, darling. You need rest and time to recover. Let me give you something to help you sleep and relieve the pain. She smiled weakly, then he gave her a shot of sedative, wrapped her tightly in a blanket, and took her home, where he crawled into bed with her. He fell asleep, trying to warm her with his own body heat. Make love to me, she said softly. I want to feel your warmth in me. Though her skin still felt clammy, Norton thought she felt warmer than before. He realized with embarrassment that he was becoming aroused. He pulled her closer and spoke softly. You're still weak, love. Maybe we'd better wait. I can't wait. I need you to hold me, love me. Norton gave in to his rising passion and pressed his warm lips to hers, his tongue hungrily exploring the recesses of her mouth. Then he made love to her gently, tempering his excitement with tenderness. They made love often as the days passed, but Marissa remained weak and had to stay in bed. At first, Norton thought her skin felt cold and hard, but now that time had passed, he could tell it had definitely softened. He went to the clef only when necessary and performed his duties quickly, always hurrying back home to Marissa who waited for him in bed. Norton doted on her, constantly bringing flowers and gifts, spending long hours snuggled up to her, telling her of his plans for the two of them. He didn't know when he first became aware of the smell, only that it permeated everything. A cheesy smell. He tried to ignore it, but as the days grew warmer, the odor intensified. One morning, he awoke to the sound of knocking. He didn't want to get up to answer the door, so he waited for his unwanted visitors to go away. He heard a crash a few minutes later, then footsteps and voices. What a stink! Over here, the bedroom. Norton sat up and the door to his bedroom flew open. Two uniformed policemen burst in. Wide eyes took in the room. Then the man retreated, retching. My God, he's in bed <laughs> with a ripe one. A moment later, a man in a suit stepped in with a handkerchief over his mouth. He flashed a gold badge. Mr. Morris, you are under arrest for the murder of your wife and her lover. Murder? Norton wondered what had gone wrong. How could they have found out? Vera's laughter filled his mind. He leaned over and kissed Marissa gently on the lips. Don't be afraid, love, he whispered. Vera can't prove a thing. <laughs>